Welcome to the EFC Podcast. My name is Karen Stiller, and we are joined today by Jerry Rodman, who has been president and CEO of InterVarsity Canada for the last 17 years and recently announced her retirement. Across Canada, InterVarsity has nine camps, 62 campus groups, and reaches an estimated 30,000 children and youth every year from five years old to 25 years old. Jerry, welcome to our podcast today. Yeah, it's great to be with you, Karen. It really is. Uh, You've recently announced your retirement. Was that a difficult decision to make, or did it just feel like time? No, it wasn't. uh, I mean, it'll be difficult to leave the role because I love what I'm doing. But it really was, for me, I felt uh, a very clear direction. It was time for me to move out of that role. Uh, not because anything to do with the board or my life or anything else. It was uh, it was just the right timing. Uh, it does not mean that I won't be doing ministry, but it means I'll be retiring from the presidency of InterVarsity. Okay. And you have been in ministry, if we can uh, state it like that, for 40 years or so. And I'm wondering um, if you can think back to the beginning when you started in campus ministry. I think you went into that fairly quickly in your career. Uh, If you went into it a bit starry-eyed and how that might have changed over the years, what what has changed for you doing this kind of work? Yeah, one of the things, I went in uh, in campus ministry in one sense um, after I had been working in Canada with uh, a couple of governmental agencies in youth and young adults. So it did help to be in another role uh, before I went into ministry. But um, I think one of the things that has sustained me is that when I first tasted the ministry with, particularly with university students, uh, when I was in Columbia, South America, there was no turning back at that point. Huh. I loved the idea, and I experienced it myself, that lives could be transformed from the inside out and that you could live a different life with hope and meaning and movement forward. And frankly, that picture and that experience, that vision, has carried me all the years. I haven't lost that. Huh. And I think you have to have that. To stay for the long haul. Yeah, yeah. What um, what personal spiritual disciplines have sustained you through the hard work and rewards of ministry? Yeah, well, I think one, and then I'll talk about how uh, keeping my relationship with Jesus current. Uh, and if what I mean by that is a. Um, a, a regular daily or you know during the week connection with who Jesus is that actually is uh, current with your life and honest and authentic I think the other disciplines is that I have uh, a group of not a very small group of people who've known me all my years of ministry and are not afraid to challenge me and Mm -hmm. The biggest area for them is in my spiritual walk and my development of character. 
And when I look back, the places that uh, are either hard for me or have been, or I look back at past colleagues or whatever that have not ended well, it's usually not their skills. It's usually areas of character and a lack of attention um, to Jesus. So, I mean, some of the disciplines obviously are regular time, journaling, uh, but also regular time with other people in scripture hmm. that know me um, and can comment and speak. I have a group of people that, this is one area, I meet with annually, and it's nine people, and we've met for the last 32 years. Wow. And we're all over North America, and we have made a commitment, and not one person has missed it. We spend four days uh, studying scripture and sharing each other's lives and speaking in very uh, authentically. Um, there's, I'm not the president there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that really strikes me, um, as a place of transparency and vulnerability and honesty. And I would imagine that not having that in a leader's life would be, you know, a, a, a recipe for potential trouble. Is that true? Yeah. I think if you want to have a, a life that ends well, Mm-hmm. In, in, I think you've got to put those kinds of pieces into it if you want a growing ministry. Um, you've got to put those pieces into it in terms of your self-development, your time with God, uh, putting God first, putting other, you know, having, I mean, balance. I don't know if Jesus' life was balanced, but, but the reality, there was time for God. Yeah. And I think. That's that's so critical. Wow. And will you uh, continue? I'm assuming you'll continue on with that group after you've left sort of formal ministry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, good they, friends, we've been community. Your life together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no. Uh, I would imagine that group will stay together until we are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's pretty neat, actually. Um, I'm thinking about uh, InterVarsity's uh, th- theme of ministry, which I understand to be by students for students. Can you talk about that? Because what you're saying you had in your group or have in your group reminds me of what I think you're trying to create amongst student peers as well. Absolutely. I think one of the unique... Um areas for InterVarsity is that we want to equip students to be able to do the ministry. And there's very few places they get to be uh, leaders, like for instance at church, they're usually not the leaders of the church. Mm-hmm. But they are leaders of their fellowship, whether it be 20 people or 200 people, they learn how in the skills and development that's needed to lead that ministry. And that's an unusual situation. At camp, we allow uh, young people to shape the lives of young people in their chalets. Um, and, you know, in one camp, I walked in and, and the cook was an 18 year old. Well, that's usually not normal. That cook did a phenomenal job and ran the kitchen and did very, very well. Um, so we, we're in the place of of appropriately giving challenges to see both their spiritual life, their leadership life, 
grow and develop. So, I mean, that's a unique um, aspect of what uh, InterVarsity does. Yeah. And so, I, you know, you find when I go across the country and visit churches, we have so many alumni that are in the churches in some elements of leadership across the country. In terms of youth today, <laughs> sounds so old when yeah. I say that, youth today, yeah. uh, and what you have seen over the course of your ministry life, are there new and different challenges, or is it basically the same? Well, in one sense, the roots of ministry are similar, mm -hmm. but it, um, you know, we're in the business at university of of making culturally appropriate ministry. So what that means, uh, you know, we're dealing with predominantly uh, staff who are probably Gen X millennials, and we're now uh, really tooling up for Generation Z. And what that does is that, you, you know, there's some particularities of a way a particular generation may process the gospel, may incorporate the commitments of Jesus, may be able to hear it better. Um, that you've got to be astute enough to be willing to change. There's music differences, amounts of music. Um, you know, for, for young people right now in the millennial area, uh, you know, sound bites and short attention spans are there. Uh, some of those, we have to recognize they may to, need to expand their capacity or they will be ill-equipped to meet all of life's challenges. But if you don't recognize where they are and see where the possibilities will come. Like I'm actually, unlike a lot of literature and some people, I'm actually encouraged with this generation. Hmm. I'm finding them actually very creative, um, willing to collaborate better than I've seen in other generations and even my own. Um, the creativity is is just uh, unusual. I mean, we just we see a group of people that you can give to if you can walk alongside of them. You don't want to be top-down leading them, but you want to walk alongside mm -hmm. to see them flourish. But at the end of the day, Karen, most of us want people to walk alongside. Yeah, yeah. If we were really telling the truth. Yeah. So back to you, there is some very unique differences and which will change teaching styles and a variety of things. So you have to be in student ministry and young adult ministry. Uh, you've got to be versatile and you've got to be able to look at different techniques of communication and understanding in order to get a person where you would like to see them incorporate the gospel in a very transformational manner. Yeah. Camp uh, is has been very important in the lives of our children and was uh, definitely noted in the Hemorrhaging Faith Report uh, a few years ago that a camp experience, an experience of God at camp, but also I think the community of camp can help sustain the faith of a youth as they go through, you know, life's transitions and, you know, leaving high school where we tend to lose a lot of youth in the church. 
tell me uh, about the power of camp and why you believe in it so much. Well, and even, even more so today where you have very few, um, you know, in a given school, you may have very few committed high school kids or even in grammar school to Jesus so that their experience is, is not necessarily very moldable. And it's a tough environment. It's very secularized. Mm-hmm. So when they come to camp, um, for many of them, if they hadn't known Jesus, this will be the first opportunity for them to see Jesus and the hope that Jesus provides. In a fairly, um, in some ways for a young person, hopeless. I mean, there's a lot of discouragement, a lot of stress on you. This is a place where they can be known, they can be cared for, they can live 24-7 and live out their faith. They can learn how faith is not just something that someone tells you about or that you read some scripture. It's actually a place that's you're shaped by God's word, but you live it out and you experience lived out towards you. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful reality. And I knew that. I went to camp, and that's where I really made a commitment to Jesus you know, a long, long time ago. Yeah. When I was when I was eight. But I can remember today what happened for me and what that experience solidified for me for the rest of the years. There's very few things you can absolutely remember everything. And that's true. When you talk to young people, they will tell you all in great detail about their experiences at camp. Because it just it seeps into your pores particularly if that becomes a place that real change happens. Like we, we, we try to have people come for at least three to five years or longer if they can when they come on uh, volunteer staff because we know that the imprint of the repetitive nature of camp goes such a long way for that faith root to take deep, deep hold in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is life-changing. Yeah, I mean, I I just, uh, you know, I talk to people all the time that went to camp. And whether they're, you know, 50 and telling me what happened for them. Hmm. Uh, I was talking recently to someone who's Canadian who's moved to the States. And, I mean, it was like yesterday. Wow. And for, for him, the commitments he made there sent him on a trajectory over the next, you know, 20, 20, 25 years that he still comes back to as a place that Jesus met him powerfully in his word, powerfully in the experiences he had with others in community. And that has allowed him to sustain himself, not without, obviously, they've got to develop and grow, but it it really puts a... um, a hinge point for people. Yeah. It's like hard to get rid of Jesus. Even if I try, it's really yeah. hard. <laughs> uh, I'd like to ask you about church, because uh, one thing that we have noticed as camp parents and as uh, being at churches where there have been a lot of camp kids is that sometimes they come home and they're um, 
filled with the high and wonder of camp and community, and they find ordinary church to be a disappointment, uh, for a time at least. It's like a, a letdown after the, you know, thrill and the, you know, 24-7 of camp worship experience and community experience with other Christians. So I'm wondering if you can speak to that, how, how churches can help tra- uh, transition kids back into, you know, Sunday morning <laughs> and, right. you know, maybe just do a better job helping kids make sense of their camp experience and <clears throat> sort of weaving it into their life. Yeah, I think the phenomenon you just talked about is very true. Um, certainly for many kids that go back and feel that they can't find camp in their church, as it were. Yeah. And it's really hard to mirror a 24-7 experience at camp. And that's, there's a sense of an unfairness there. But I would say what has been helpful to many of the churches, I've, I've talked to them about these things, is out of the hemorrhaging faith study, there was lots of clues there of places that a church can be more welcoming to its youth and young adults, providing opportunities of leadership, being willing to change worship, um, you know, being willing to add art, uh, being willing to have a dialogical opportunity in services as opposed to a one-way teaching. Um, uh, actually understanding the experiences of liturgy. Um, it's interesting for a young person I find liturgy they really are attracted to, mm-hmm. but they have to know about it. They've got to be, they got to understand why you do what you do, and they've got to be part and parcel with it. And I think that's where I've seen some real shifts, is where churches have made, you know, I mean, for some of the congregants, they're huge, huge changes. But in many ways, there are a few changes, even the leadership. The fact that we would, like we do with our leaders, we would entrust and expect and um, coach a person to take leadership, even when they're young. Um, those are some of the things that I think a church can do. Um, and I think we also, uh, you know, in many ways, we do have the same problem with our university students who graduate and go to work and then go to church and the family. Uh, one of the things we help them with, we have a approaching uh, difference. It's a cultural exercise where we talk, how do you approach a new culture? It's harder for a teen or a younger person, but it's certainly easier for um, someone graduating from university to see that they're having a cultural difference. Yes. Uh, and I think that's, I mean, to me, those are talks that, even the church pastor could have with the kids when they come back. Hmm. So that there's much more bridging. Yeah. Uh, that Those would be things that I certainly have talked to other pastors. Some have incorporated it, and it has worked for them. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's, that is encouraging to hear. As we uh, wrap up, Jerry, <clears throat> what are your, if you, this is a big question, <laughs> but as you sort of transition out of this part of your ministry, and I imagine you're reflecting back, and I imagine you're looking forward. I'm wondering what your, 
what your hopes and thoughts are for the Canadian church. Like you <clears throat> talk to youth, you talk to church leaders, you are in camp, you're on campus, you visit churches. What do you hope you will see in the Canadian church in the next 10 years, say? Well, my hope is that, you know, with studies like Hemorrhaging Faith and the new study that's going to be coming out uh, in the next several months, uh, which is a, a second study after the Hemorrhaging Faith study, I would hope that church leaders will take those areas of um, possible shifts and changes really seriously. I mean, we have um, more students now who don't know Jesus than ever before and more folks leaving the church than we've had as young people and you know that means we are his witnesses so my hope is those of us who are committed believers will take upon ourselves the joy of being able to witness and bringing in these young people and making changes that will actually be attractive, not just attraction, but it speaks their language. Because the gospel, I mean, Jesus decided for whatever reason God felt that he would use us as his folks to communicate the gospel, as, as uh, imperfect as all of us are. But we need to do that. And my hope is that we actually will take the seriousness of these studies uh, to heart, and that we will see a shift and change in our culture, and that we would see more young people coming into a real committed conviction about who Jesus is, and allow that to really guide their life. So that's my, my hope, is that we take the challenge seriously. I believe, because I've seen it in, uh, you know, over my 40 years, I've seen real movements of, of uh, renewal, etc., take off, and I am uh, really praying that that would happen. I want to be a part of it. Wow. So I, you know, my, you know, I may retire from this position. I'm not retired from ministry, and I will actively be pursuing whatever roles that I can do to see young people incorporate the gospel for their lives. Wonderful. Jerry, thank you so much uh, for speaking with us today, and we will uh, keep on each other's radar, that's for sure. Thank you. Good. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.